What do you do when you have the rights to an iconic kaiju character and a growing audience of youth and children? Why, you make an animated ape, of course. This is Kaiju vs. History, The King Kong Show. Welcome back. This is your Mondo Island Monkey Patrick, and joining me is a Daikaiju Doctor Who knows better than to rip off James Bond. That is, of course, Miles. Welcome back, Miles. <sighs> Hi, Patrick. Your have, favorite kaiju. Yeah, we've we have roped me into another another piece of King Kong media, which we have well established how I feel about King Kong as a whole. And, no. and 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 somehow there is a 1966 cartoon dedicated to this ape. I one of the first animated kaiju productions. There there were some other kind of not daikaiju size, but like animated series in like the late 50s, early 60s in Japan. But this is obviously a huge character, right? Yeah, I mean it. It is literally it's, and it's a character that I just have never connected with. Uh, I like the 21st century iterations, uh, plural mm-hmm. of, of Kong, but this, yeah, I mean, I, I, my feelings about our, uh, Kong are, are, are well worn at this point. And oh yeah, we record these episodes. People know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But and, yeah. And so, so, I mean, one, this is likely going to be a very short episode. Yes. Um, this th- is a, these... a television show. We, we should talk, mention the King Kong show. Yeah. This is from 1966. An- this is an oddity on our list because we have a joint Japanese and U.S. production. You know, we've had those before. Yeah. So this is the first one that was produced in Japan, but premiered first in the States. Yes. So it's a Japanese production. The animators, the, the writers, all Japanese. But the company that sourced it or, or produced it was Rankin Bass Production Incorporated, who sourced the animation to the Toei animation firm from Japan. So there's another Toei production coming off of the Magic Serpent at the same time. But yeah, this, this show premiered first in the US 56 years ago or thereabouts, September 6th of 1966 on ABC, the American Broadcasting Channel. Which I think was the first anime series produced for in Japan for an American company. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about Rankin Bass in, in a little bit, but I, I had no idea that that was the case for, for this show. Obviously, apparently Rankin Bass did this great deal. This is something that happens uh, a lot now that the kind of Asian market takes over production for animation of a lot of animated shows from all around the world. But thinking that so far back, they had access to that kind of world market is very interesting. You know, that a company based out of New York can source out and make a partnership with Toei Animation to bring a show to America. I, I I was tickled pink thinking about my father, who would have been a child at the time, being able to watch this this yeah. show. And I mean, not just a kaiju show, but one that was made in in Japan. 
And so, I yeah, would have that- felt very bad for my dad if he had to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, harbinger of how I feel about this show. There's there's <laughs> elements of a lot of different things besides kaiju that are kind of wrapped up in this. We'll we'll talk about, but yeah, like, like you mentioned, so many of the other U.S. Japanese joint productions, like a King Kong versus Godzilla, came out in Japan first, and they were meant to be Japanese productions. But yeah, this one was meant to go straight to American dubbing, and eventually would come. I think it I mean, obviously, the scripts were first, I think, in Japanese, but they, they would do a, a Japanese dub for those audiences, I think, at the end of 1966. So this is I think this is uh, I said September. I think the Japanese one came out in December. Not a lot about the, the title of this show. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot here because it's just the King Kong show. <laughs> well, yeah. And in Japan. It came out as King of the World, the King Kong show, the, the Japanese title. But in the American version, the title cards, at least the ones that I saw on the episodes that I watched, only ever said King Kong. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe it had like an intro title sequence where, where Kong like lifts up a mountain. But at the end, it just says King Kong It is commonly referred to as the King Kong show. They they did put out some DVD presses of this. I think a two part DVD press that was called King Kong the Animated Series, which gets a little confusing because there was another show called Kong the Animated Series in the 90s or no, early 2000s. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about this show or maybe just explain the basic premise. It is King Kong for all intents and purposes, a giant ape gorilla. They do kind of operate off of Skull Island, but they call it Mondo Island for the most part in the yeah, show. Yeah, I think they, they switch around. Yeah, so is Mondo Island Skull Island or it, I no think one... so, because at the beginning don't you, they, don't they have like a little skull rock or something that you yes. see? Yes, they do. But yeah, they, at that point they're, they're definitely calling it Mondo Island. But we have a young boy in Bobby Bond who befriends King Kong and it turns very much into a a situation where we'll see Kong in a great deal where he falls in love, you know, this platonic friendly love, but he has a protection kind of uh, sense. And whether or not that is something that has been a major part of King Kong in, in his original movies or Kong versus Godzilla, this is definitely helping cement him as <laughs> if not friend of all children, at least friends of a Dude, single a, child. A child. He's kind of like a dumber Scooby-Doo. Oh, yes, most definitely. Because <laughs> um, he follows his family around for all these misadventures, you know, and I, I think they, they make, I don't know if they say it in the show itself, but like, it's a, it's a separate character from the King Kong film. This is not a Kong that, you know, had the experience with Carl Dunham and, and all that. This is a completely different Kong. And I don't think it's supposed to be the King Kong versus Godzilla Kong either. At least we don't have, you know, a native pop population of, of Skull Island like we saw, you know, in the, in the red juice drinking folks there. So, yeah, I mean, in, it's, in this it's, world, there just might be Kongs all over the islands of Pacific. <laughs> well, it's weird because you're, you're correct. This is not really related to the, the Kong of King Kong versus Godzilla, but 
this is the basis of the future kaiju film King Kong Escapes. Which I've not, I don't think I've seen before. We'll get to it in 1970 or 1967. Yeah, this came out a year before that. (laughs) Interestingly enough, we'll we'll talk about it. But I don't think that movie is supposed to be a direct sequel to King Kong versus Godzilla. It's supposed to be, yeah, no, it's supposed to be kind of like a sort of remake of the, of this series. Yeah, yeah. Cause, it, cause you have characters like Mechanic Kong and Doctor Who. Yes. As very the, much so. as the villains. Yeah, yeah. And we will, we'll talk about the, the, the lengthy production for, for that movie and getting this co-production. For some reason, they went with Toei Animation for this cartoon the king kong show and the film king kong escapes right that's yeah king kong escapes is a toho production yeah (laughs) they they were they wanted to share a honda and they got them for for that movie but yeah you you mentioned doctor who (laughs) no relation to the the british doctor correct Uh, an evil doctor who wants to capture king kong he's he kind of looks like a I mean, well, he looks like an evil doctor, but he's got like a huge egghead. So in <laughs> an evil mustache, you know, he's evil. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he looks like every like bad guy scientist in, in, in animation. I mean, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He does feel straight out of, I, I'm going to make this comparison a few times, but Rocky and Bullwinkle seems like that style of, of animation and that kind of yeah, or mustache the- twirling villain. The professor from Animaniacs. Oh, yeah. Oh, it looks very similar to him. Yeah, there's there's I mean, it's a very popular archetype. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, there there is a a lot about this this series that seems archetypical. (laughs) Well, you weren't a big fan of the show, and that's totally fine. We'll talk about that in a bit. But we're we're here on this podcast to dissect some of the history of the creation of these projects. And I was fascinated i was telling my wife about this i had no idea this was a rankin bass production so let's get into what is rankin bass it, it started as videocraft international limited in 1960 so six years prior arthur rankin jr and jules bass formed this studio to bring <laughs> bring forth these animation projects but every single one of them was outsourced to japan and it, I don't know about you. The only real Rankin Bass things I grew up with were the stop motion Christmas specials that replayed that, every single year. Yeah, that was really what I know them for. I think. So we're didn't talking. They do the some Lord of the Rings stuff. Yes. Oh, and that, that I didn't. That's what that's what I saw. I didn't know that that was Rankin Bass, but I did see that as a child. They did. There was actually a couple. I never seen the Lord of the Rings one that they did later on, but The Hobbit was one of my favorite. Oh, the, the Hobbit played on the movies. Disney Channel all the time as a kid. Absolutely loved it. So good. Did not know that was an original Japanese, you know, artistic vision. I didn't know the stop motion. It, it was not Toei Animation, but it was a different company that did Year Without a Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I mean, there's there's a bunch <laughs> that they did. Yeah, the the only other one that wasn't, I mean, they had a couple. The Mad Mad Bad Monsters is is one that I I you know watched a lot, and Wind in the Willows. Right, right. Uh, as well as did, did they do Last Unicorn? I can't remember. I don't know, but it is very interesting if you go and 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 do some research about. Yep, they directed Last Unicorn. Rankin Bass, like if you go on the Wikipedia page for it, 
you you'll see almost every production is directed <laughs> by Rankin Bass, except some of the the earlier ones. But the animation production is almost all companies from Japan. Mom Production for a lot of the stop motion, Mushi Production, Video to- Tokyo, Topcraft was a big one, and of course Toei, who who did this show. Anyway, I was I was very surprised <laughs> digging into that and. When I, I started looking into it further, this was a very interesting production. They had a few television shows, but for the most part, they did a lot of specials. And they they had done a couple before this, Tales of the Wizard of Oz and The New Adventures of Pinocchio. But with Toei, they, they started this one in 1966. And I think it's probably the longest series that they done uh, had done until <laughs> they, they brought over Thundercats. Yeah, in, in the I, I thought that was pretty neat that they <laughs> they had done Thundercats. And I, I mean, how long did Thundercats last? Was that I think a couple seasons? I, f- I forget. Because I was never a big Thundercats kid. Oh, uh, I, but I, I, oh no, it says four seasons online. I, I yeah, don't 130 think episodes. I had seen that many of them. But yeah, they were they were pretty big. I, I was a big fan of these growing up. I I. I I had never heard of this show, though, the King Kong show. And I think I conflated it with the Hanna-Barbera giant monkey, <laughs> which was uh, kind of like a King Kong knockoff that they, they had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this I mean, is, I probably did, too. This is like, this, 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 this design of Kong was not one that I was super familiar with. No, no. And this is a full 10 years before the animated Godzilla TV show, which we will talk about as well. But the second season just like got discovered or streamed or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we can talk about here. I don't think besides some of those DVD releases, I don't know if all the episodes were put on DVD. Some, some might've been missing, but talking about the show and its origins, you might've noticed the family name is bond and they fight an evil scientist. Yeah. Named Doctor Who. In four years prior, Doctor No came out, a James Bond movie. We, we've talked about some of the influence of the Bond series in, I mean, across all movies, but it, it's like the influence of, of superhero movies today. It's just like so huge. It just bleeds over into other genres. You know, like in, in Degora, we had a lot of spy kind of elements to, to that movie. Mm hmm. Same thing of this show, but also this is a couple years after the Johnny Quest series came out. I, don't, I forget what channel that was on, but another, you know, American production. I'm not sure where the animation was from, but very similar story of that was Hanna-Barbera, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it must be. <laughs> so this is a few years after that kind of ripping off that dynamic of a couple kids, scientists explorer i think he's an archaeologist here dr bond in, in this movie or professor bond but you know going all around the world and having adventures and having an evil bad guy trying to chase them down so there's not a lot of originality here except there's a giant ape <laughs> in this show yeah i the, the i i agree with you i think the the creation the fact that this show exists from the people that that made it is really fascinating but for me, the fascination ends there. I think the the show itself is, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I thought it, it, I thought it was honestly kind of a poor production. I feel like if I had 
had this when I was a kid, I probably would have dug it a great deal. That that being said, like I said, I mentioned Rocky and Bullwinkle. I was a huge fan of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and the animation style of that was, you know, 60s, 70s, when I was watching cartoons in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s. So I think I would have enjoyed that. I feel like I don't think I'd ever seen this show as a kid, but I do feel like I saw the shorts that it was paired with. And most episodes were like three sections and I think they were like eight or nine minutes each. But there's another show in the middle of the King Kong show, uh, a James Bond straight parody called Tom of Thumb, T-H-U-M-B, which in, in Japan was called double oh one seventh tom thumb so yeah it's about a spy and his assistant who work for the tiny human underground military bureau and were i don't think they can resize i think they're just like fully miniaturized spies and yeah it would go like a kong segment tom of thumb segment the kong segment for for most of the episodes which reminded me a great deal of rocking bullwinkle which had like other shorts in the middle so while there are 25 episodes of the King Kong show, I think, I think there were, what, what do I have here in my notes? <laughs> there are 76 segments total, if that makes sense. So each episode had like three segments and a third of those were Tom of Thumb, except I, I think a few episodes were just full Kong stories. Yeah. And. <sighs> I, I, mean, I didn't watch all of them. I couldn't find all of them. One, I don't know. No, it, it, was, it was tough to find. And a lot of the ones that I did find were like iPhone filmings of a VHS on a TV. Oh, I'm <laughs> so, sure that's your favorite way to watch right. 60 but, but, but Even outside of that, watching some, because I know some have like gotten some sort of home release. The, 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 the production qualities didn't do a lot for me. And, Neither did the stories, to be honest. I mean, it was it was like Scooby Doo, but it didn't have any personality. Like, yeah, you had Kong there, but it's just mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's it's extremely dry, and I don't think that's on purpose. Yeah, I mean, the the stories were fairly basic. I did in the episodes that I watch enjoy that there for the most part was at least a lot of ch- changes in scenery. It's not just all yeah. on Skull Island or. Yeah, they go. Yeah, all they're around, always so. floating around somewhere, or somehow Kong is being partnered up with <laughs> some government agency to to chase somebody else down, even though Kong doesn't really know what's going on. Like, yeah, th- yeah. there there's a lot of potential for comedy here, but it's being delivered, especially the government officials, so dryly. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they like there's a conversation in the first two episodes, like, oh yeah, well, if Kong causes too much of a problem, we're just going to kill him. Yeah, the 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 government. I'm, I'm, I'm like, excuse me, you're doing what? <laughs> the 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 one moment that Kong goes feral, they're going to take him on. There's some interesting standout episodes that I saw, and part of why I think I enjoyed them is they were very much a big change of scenery. Jinx of the Sphinx, where King Kong literally fights a Egyptian Sphinx, which I couldn't tell was all robot or if it was like the actual Sphinx turned into a construct <laughs> that was controlled by by doctor who did you happen to see that one no it, i it shorts out at the end like kong gets it in like an arm lock like comes behind him and <laughs> gets the sphinx arms like pinned behind it and soaks it underwater and that shorts out the whatever mechanism 
is, is uh, yeah, because I would kind of jump around. There was the I mean, obviously I'm gonna check out the Legend of Loch Ness and the Man from Kong, <laughs> which is what I was referring to earlier. With the there was a lot of there was a lot of like spy stuff. I mean, yeah, so that definitely. was. I, I, I appreciated like the lean in that direction. I just wish the show was better. I mean, I, I know I, I, I'm trying not to be such a sourpuss about this because I already mm. don't like King Kong, but th- this, this show just did nothing for me. <laughs> well, for the most part, they're very simple stories that can be told <laughs> in like nine minutes or so. And the action isn't spectacular in any sense. It, it is funny. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this, from what I've seen of the Godzilla animated show, they are very similar to the point where eventually they do even make a communication device, like a, a Kong signal, which is something that we're going to see in the Godzilla animated series. Yeah. I did, I did want to. Because the Godzilla series is also a Hanna Barbera production and has a little bit more of that personality, even though it's a Godzilla series, it's, it's, it's weird, but like it has that kind of Scooby Doo flavor that they, they kind of do a little bit better, even though that show is fairly flawed as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say they're, we're going to find a lot more similarities than differences between them. I would say for the most part, the family is not super interesting. As far as design elements go, I like Kong's look. He's very is a very top-heavy version of Kong and looks, you know, almost like <laughs> the most anatomical ape that we could get from a, a giant kaiju he doesn't look like the version that is a man in a suit but made animated if that makes sense <laughs> yes there is that he actually does look like a, just a giant ape but he's they got just a, give him got the, a friendly the, puss on him they give, they give him the doofiest facial expressions like <laughs> oh yeah he just he just walks around constantly confused they give him the scale of the king kong versus godzilla ape I feel like he is much larger than what we're going to see in the King Kong Escapes movie, which I think they kind of pare him down a little bit. He's massive. At one point, he picks up a sunken temple, like an ancient temple, <laughs> brings it from the ocean's floor and just plops it down on the beach. So, I mean, he's he's the size. Not only he can knock over buildings, he can pick buildings up, you know. I, I, I want to mention we we haven't mentioned some of the other characters too much yet. The family is very, very simple, like artistic styles. I kind of like <laughs> Bobby Bond is, is like any kid animated in the 1960s, you know, with like board shorts and uh, a striped yeah, shirt. I, I, I don't like the, the actual aesthetic style design of these characters. Like he looks like he's like someone who like walked off of like a stick of gum. From 1960. Like he, he looks like <laughs> he's Bazooka a, Joe he's or a something. Bazooka Joe. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy. I, I did enjoy Captain Englehorn, which isn't the same one from the original King Kong film. He, he does look more like a Japanese character, which I thought was very interesting, even though he's, he's still got the name Englehorn, but his eyes are always closed. He's got, uh, you know, dark black hair and he is kind of the same. He's like friend of, of Professor Bond in the, the show. Did you get to watch the Mechanicon? Mechanic, mechanic, yes, Kong yes, episode. yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy the design for Mechanicong. Yeah, it, it was certainly the most interesting thing that I watched from that show. For the most part, the monsters here we get we get a couple of different dinosaurs. They're definitely larger than the normal versions of the dinosaurs. Like there's a Triceratops that's like you know the size of a building, and, and a giant Tyrannosaurus and things like that. The Sphinx was kind of interesting, but for the most part, the monsters aren't that great of designs but 
I really enjoyed Mechanic Kong, and I wish they had gone closer. Boy, do to I that have good news for you for the movie? <laughs> well, no, the the movie is closer to what we're going to get to the technological technological version of Godzilla later on uh, in in the form of uh, Mechagodzilla. But here in the animated series, it's really cool and it's very colorful. (laughs) I enjoy that aspect of it at the very least. But yeah, we we are going to get a film in 1967, another Rankin-Bass co-production. But yeah, like I mentioned with Toho and director Shira Honda and Doctor Who will show up as well as a different version of Mechanic Kong. But yeah, this is a little <laughs> a mouche bouche. It gets the kids interested before that movie comes out and and keeps Kong alive. You know, we, we had a movie a, a few years prior, but it's crazy that more Kong things came out in the 60s than like any other decade. <laughs> you know, there's this, there's a well, couple of movies. There's this past decades had what, three uh, movies, two seasons of television. I was about to say, you, you might be right. We've got a, we've got a Kong revival happening. Maybe we'll get more too. There's, there's, there's still some potential Kong on, on the horizon for legendary films. But as far as a, a legacy for, for this show goes, like I said, I had not heard of this before. But there are other Kong animated movies, the the Kong animated series, which started in 2000. I've heard good things about and a Netflix series, King Kong of the Ape. Um, I know one of them. I don't know which one, but I know one of them is supposed to be really bad. <laughs> well, it might be this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. A recent one. Oh, a recent Another one. Another really bad one. Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> but like I said, it helped keep Kong's interest alive. And this is now. 33 years after the movie came out, which, you know, for good or bad, it, it kept that character in the zeitgeist. And, and we're like 10 years before we're going to get another Kong reboot in America. So, yeah, the, uh, this feels to me kind of similar to the the 1960s Batman TV show. You know, it, it wasn't exactly <laughs> what you would expect from this character, from this kind of uh, show this is definitely for kids this is definitely to you know sell toys or something along those lines sell movie tickets when the film comes out i'm i'm interested to see if there are a lot of people that are reminiscent about this show which like i said only had a single season or if it, it's been completely forgotten i i i don't know i i i err on the side of forgotten yeah to I be mean, honest because I mean, kaiju animated shows don't seem to have a massive impact. The only one I can honestly think so, and it's not because of my favoritism of the character, is the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla show because it was a Hanna-Barbera production, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that, and people do speak highly of the 1998 (laughs) animated Godzilla It's one I've never seen, and I know a lot of people really go to bat for that one about how it's like, no, this this is the concept done well, which, you know, I still dislike the the design of that Godzilla, but I have heard really, really positive things about that series, yeah. which I'm, I'm very curious about, to be honest. I'm looking forward to eventually hitting that one in a couple years. I wouldn't say this is your, just because it's the first, doesn't mean this is the place you have to start at if you're wanting to look into animated kaiju shows. <laughs> but uh, we don't rate these television shows, but if 
if we did, I'd probably give it pretty low marks as well, close to a six <laughs> as far as that's that's low overall rating. I I feel so. I feel like they cover. I mean, I cer- I certainly would more. rather watch this than a lot of the stuff that we watched from the fifties. So I I got <laughs> I gotta I gotta kind of side with you there. I'd probably give it around a five. Yeah, um, it's, it's down there, but. It's one of those things. It's the same thing we talked about with our last Toei production in The Magic Serpent. It's hard to find copies of. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, unfortunately. And for the most part, I think it's it's been relegated to, to the 60s, uh, a relic thereof, kind of a knockoff of a knockoff. And like, like yeah. most Kong sequels or, or reproductions... Only for Kong diehards. If you are a huge King Kong yeah, fan, seek this out. If not, uh, you could probably skip. A hundred percent for completionists only. Yeah. It it was it was a rough one for me, not being a fan of the character as as I'm already not. Yeah. But I also think it's a, I honestly I I legit I think it's just a, a not a super fun watch or a great production to be perfectly honest, and that's. That's my feelings about Kong aside. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's that great of a production. And no, the, the animation is, is very simple. Like even for the sixties, simple. Yeah. So and if you're going in trying to look for a, a fun thing to watch, yeah, you, you might, you know, some of the animation is just like two flickers, you know, like, you know, it's hard yeah. to explain it. It's not like finely crafted animation. Yeah. I, I am, I am not. <laughs> I am not going to be one to recommend this one to anybody. It's a time capsule, and it's something to watch to complete your giant Daikaiju monster uh, list. And I think it's a a fun representation of what is happening here mid-60s, which is a change from monsters destroying everything, which has been the last 30 years since the original King Kong 2 monsters being friends with kids. And we're going to see more of that with more Gamera movies, mm-hmm. more the Godzilla series will take a huge turn very quickly and, 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 and move into the, the realm of, of completely children's entertainment first, which is an interesting turn to watch in a series <laughs> where originally it was a, a, a warning about nuclear proliferation and and the horrors of war and everything like that so right uh, that is gonna do it for us here miles thanks for at least watching a couple episodes of this show with me i I, I watched as many as i could (laughs) yeah if you want to watch it and tell us what you think about gosh now a, a nearly 60 year old show 60 or 70 year old animated kaiju show Follow us on Twitter at Kaiju versus history, but that is going to do it for us right now. Uh, we are going to be back next week and ask you guys to tune in one last time. Return to feudal Japan for the last in the 1966 Daimajin trilogy of films. That's right. Tune in as we close out our favorite God of revenge in history versus Daimajin strikes again. Um.